Hello, and welcome to the Fantasy Rewind Podcast. I am your co-host, Dylan Stoll, and I'm joined, as always, by my friend, Michael Wifford. Hey, hey, dragons in the house. So today, we are going to talk about episode one of House of the Dragon. We're diving into this, taking a little break from Sandman. We'll be dropping the rest of our Sandman coverage soon, but we want to get in and talk about this episode while it's still fresh. But before we do that, I'm going to give out the typical reminders here. If you'd like to get in contact with the show, you can send us an email at fantasyrewindpod at gmail.com. You can get at us on Instagram at fantasyrewindpod. Or you can talk to us on Twitter too, at fantasyrewind. Love to hear from you guys. Love to talk fantasy. Any suggestions you have for the show, we're all ears. Now, before we dive into the coverage for House of the Dragon Episode 1 here, Mike, we have to talk about Rings of Power first, because Amazon just dropped the last final Rings of Power trailer, and we have to talk about our general impressions of this first. The show is going to start airing in two weeks, so we're not going to get into too much of the what we saw in the trailer here, but Mike, what were your general impressions of the final trailer that they dropped for Rings of Power? It looks really pretty. Uh, I can't say anything bad about the visuals. It showed some really cool locations. There's some things that I am, a few things I'm interested in in it. Like there was a scene where a gentleman uh, was standing by a hard foot woman. He looked kind of taller um, and he was protecting her from some weird dog things. I'm not sure what they were. I'm guessing that they were like uh, ancestral wargs. Mm, that would, yeah, that wouldn't make sense. Um, and he, or at least wargs that weren't mutilated yet. Now, he did seem to um, have some kind of power. So I'm interested to see like what that was or what kind of creature that was. Uh, that I'll be excited to see. So Yeah, I think that that yeah. was our first look at the Meteor Man outside of his flaming inferno of an arrival. So I'm interested oh, to so see. You think that's the I Meteor do. Man. I do think that was the Meteor Man. And so I'm interested to see like how that actually progresses. Who is this mysterious? Do you think it's Gandalf? No. No. <laughs> uh, who is this mysterious person? If that was Gandalf, I don't know what I would do. Like, that's pretty crazy. Um, that is pretty crazy. But my general first impressions of the trailer here is, like you said, I thought that the visuals were stunning. Really liked that, like, waterfall, hilly area that you saw there. And thought that looked amazing. But as far as their song choice, I think that was questionable at best. Because that mm. didn't really remind me of the Peter Jackson trilogy, didn't remind me of anything to do with Middle Earth. It reminded me more of like a teen drama. But again, I am 100% going to give this show a chance. I really want to watch this when it comes out. And I'm very anxiously awaiting that September release date, which is only like two weeks away. So pretty exciting stuff there. We are in full-on fantasy feast mode here at the end of August. Sandman, House of the Dragon, and coming up soon, Rings of Power. Just to name three I know, titles. so much. The fantasy feast is upon us. Yes. So now... Some of our appetites are wanting. <laughs> <laughs> so now jumping into episode one of House of the Dragon, the Heirs of the Dragon. Mike, what was, of the what was your general impression of this show so far? Like, what did it feel like for you to see Westeros back on your screen? 
So I do have to say that seeing Westeros getting that music and everything was just like, it was nostalgia, which is so weird to say because the show isn't really that old. I know, but I guess right? It is. Uh, you know, like we talked before, you know, there's so much memory and things associated with that show. We we would get together and watch it every Sunday uh, for a while when we were living in the same town. And uh, it, it was really exciting to see that again. Visually, everything is beautiful as well. Um, but I'll, I'll pause there. And how about you? Since you actually have a history with the books. Too. Yeah, so I've uh, I've read everything Song of Ice and Fire related so far, the main series, including uh, World of Ice and Fire, as well as Fire and Blood, which is where this show derives from, is where it gets its information from. So what I will say is that visually loved it, looked fantastic, looked like Game of Thrones, looked just like I was expecting it to. The audio, loved it. I loved how they took the classic Game of Thrones theme and then put a little bit of a twist on it by adding some lyrics as well as adding it into like a couple other orchestral pieces. Sounded like Game of Thrones to me was all in as far as the visual and audio goes like that. Also, just as far as like what it was covering from the book section here, um, for Fire and Blood... This is a history of the Targaryens, basically. And something mm-hmm. that's important to keep in mind is just George R. R. Martin's writing style for how he tells these histories. He doesn't tell these histories as, like, first-person events, this is what happened. How he tells histories are through the eyes of a maester. And what the maesters are in the world of Westeros here, they're the chroniclers, the people that, like have the histories all written down they're like your like a wise man they're the person that like helps out and run um your medicine all of your stuff like that and so when george r R. martin wrote fire and blood the history of the targaryens it was done through the eyes of a maester and also got some input or involving the targaryen fool mushroom who I don't know if we saw him in this episode or not, or if we will see him, but I they kind of skipped out on Patchface in um, the main series there, so I'm assuming they will probably skip out on Mushroom as well. Basically, all you need to know about Mushroom's telling of history is that the most vile, disgusting, like perverted things you can think of, Mushroom reports that. So he's like mm. all in the know as far as that goes, or like makes it up. He's not very a reliable some, person. Yeah, and I was going to say, we had in this episode, we did have some very graphic things kind of pop up. We did. We definitely did. So maybe Mushroom is just the one holding the camera. <laughs> could be. Could be. Um, but I bring all that up to say that what we're seeing now, if this is to be like the true depiction of what actually happened, it might vary a little bit based on what is written in Fire and Blood since that's told through the eyes of an observer or through a historian there. And what we're seeing could be like the actual version of events. Now, all that is also to say is that, in my opinion, episode one here, they did a really good job sticking right pretty close to the source material. Um, They skipped ahead a few 
few uh, generations of Targaryens there. Like, we didn't get to see the arrival of Aegon coming into Westeros. We didn't get to which see the cool. Doom of Valyria, which is a big no. mystery, mysterious event anyway, so it makes sense. We didn't see mm-hmm. that. But we jump right into the start of what will become the Dance of Dragons. And I'm not going to go into exactly what that means because of spoilers. And um, what I will say, though, is that it's going to make for some great fun on television. Um, so jumping off of that, getting into here, um, Mike, do you just want to talk about some of the standout things from your viewing of episode one, Heirs of the Dragon? So as someone who hasn't read any of this or really researched much of it, um, the last time I did a lot of research on Game of Thrones was during when it was running. And I learned about the different events like the fall of Valyria or what little information we had and kind of uh, Aegon, you know, taking over um, Westeros. So coming into this, like, you know, I was just connecting some of the bits and pieces I knew from then to what I had known in the show already. So I think some of the things that stood out to me really right at the beginning was having a very prosperous uh, Targaryen empire and the dragons were still like a good size so really to it's like oh you know it's going from this to get what we saw in game of thrones so we know obviously that the house the targaryen house fell and they lost a lot of might along the way um but from this time period until then which we knew a little we knew anyway from the original right, game of thrones right. series but i, I just want to i just it was really neat seeing that visually like they were powerful. Like they had people coming from all over to give them stuff. No one's messing with them, right? So, I think that was really interesting. I also like that it brought up how, um, you know, the narrator there was talking about how they had to choose between two different heirs. Um, <laughs> made a point to say that they chose the man over the woman, uh, just to sort of build up the coming conflict. And I, I wish they had maybe just done a little bit more with that with some of the reasoning there but i think that intro was you know really set the stage there especially too when you got into the daughter flying on the dragon right afterwards landing and like it's just like everyday occurrence like oh she's just flying on a dragon oh you smell like dragon uh like (laughs) like it's like riding a horse to them yeah exactly so i thought that was really cool and i like that they're they're doing it that way and that it is like that at this point in time um I, I want to show it or uh, send it over to you and have you share a moment and then I'll share another one for me. Sure. Yeah. So like what you said, for me, this is really cool because you're seeing the Targaryens at the height of their power, basically. Mm-hmm. Like before Jaehaerys was cho- was choosing his heir and everything and it went to Viserys, who was the king during the start of the episode here. Um, when Jaehaerys was the king of Westeros, basically, was the pinnacle of Targaryen power in Westeros. And so you see with Viserys, um, one of the big things that stood out to me as well was what you said, where he was chosen to be the heir. He was chosen to be the next ruler of Westeros because he was a male. Whereas the king's direct descendant was a woman. And this just kind of echoes a lot of what we saw throughout like medieval times, throughout like even modern day politics sometimes where you see that, oh, I have a daughter, all well and good. Where's my son? Where's my heir? You know, because it's that focus on continuing your legacy, continuing your line. You know, you're wanting your line to succeed and everything. 
Which, one good point that Mike brought up here before we started recording was, at this point in time, we have the Targaryens who are intermarrying themselves a lot of the times. So you're having a Targaryen marry a Targaryen, or marry a Valyrian, um, such as, like, you see Corlys Valyrian here, who was married to uh, Rhaenyra, who was the queen that never was, as she so eloquently referred to during this episode here. And so... You have a lot of intermingling amongst their own family. A lot of incestuous relationships were formed to keep that bloodline pure, you know, to do all kinds of stuff that is very frowned upon and very taboo in our society here today. Um, so, for good reasons, yeah, for because good it causes reasons. genetic <laughs> right. issues, you know? But the and big so. point of all that is to say that it wouldn't necessarily be the biggest deal if they had a woman ruler because their family name, Targaryen, or if it happened to be Valyrian, would go on. It would still have that old Valyrian bloodline name hunkered down next to it. But, again, all they cared about was, where's my male heir? And so that was the big foreshadowing moment at the very start of the episode. It was like, this is what happened. This is going to happen again. And so it's kind of showing you the conflict that we're going to be focusing on for this season and beyond. Um, depending on how far they go with this House of the Dragon series and how successful it is. Um, one of the other big things that stood out to me was, I'm not sure if you remember this, Mike, or not, but during Game of Thrones, there's always the saying that the person, if a person's not worthy or not you know, a good ruler to sit on the Iron Throne will cause them harm, will hurt them, because it's mm. all pokey, it's all swords that were taken there. And what do we see yeah. right away here? King Viserys has this wound in his back and keeps getting cut by the Iron Throne. Every time we see him sit on it, he's always shedding blood. He's always getting stabbed. It's a little foreshadowing there that, you know, hey, maybe Viserys fit. isn't necessarily the right ruler for Westeros at this time. Maybe he's not fit to sit on the Iron Throne. And so we have mm -hmm. a lot of that going on there. A lot of, like, undertones of power and everything. Um, but... The other big conflict we see in this episode is between Damon Targaryen, who is played by Matt Smith of <laughs> time traveling fame and more. <laughs> um, he's yes. a Time Lord and a Targaryen. What are you going to do about it? I don't know. But uh, we have Damon Targaryen and being in conflict with the rest of the small council and his brother, um, King Viserys, a lot during this episode here. Whereas uh, the niece, Rhaenyra Targaryen, or Rhaenyra's Targaryen, I forget exactly which one it is. Lots of similar names in the Targaryen family yeah. here. Uh, we have our main character, <laughs> who is much closer to her black sheep uncle than any other person we see throughout the series here. Um, so Mike, do you want to just talk a little bit about Daemon Targaryen and what your first impressions were of him? So one, Matt Smith just killed it. Ha, ha. Uh, Matt Smith just really nailed that character. He's he's going to be awesome. I'm really excited sure. to see more of him um, throughout the show and the series. I do have to say, like, the jousting scene, I want to go to that because I think Definitely. that really yes. uh, kind of shows him and the full gambit. Um, you know, he's jousting there, and he, he doesn't mind getting a little dirty, fighting a little dirty, yeah, which you does. saw, like, pulling that side knife out and everything. And I liked how they 
did that scene particularly it was kind of gruesome very not the, much so, not yeah. that part of it but it was the childbirth scene that it kept flipping back between and i i mean sorry i know where i'm getting off tack on off topic on him um he one he's he's a jerk <laughs> <laughs> he is a jerk um and i think he that's why i think he's going to be such an interesting character to follow to see how his character does he change does he get worse like We've seen so many times in Game of Thrones where we have these uh, really what we would almost classify evil characters. Sometimes they redeem themselves. Sometimes they don't. So it's going to be interesting to see what happens with Matt Smith's character. Uh, what were some of your thoughts on Mr. Smith's character there? I, I calling him by his actor name because yeah, I can't with the with Damon. Okay, that's okay. So <laughs> Damon, Damon Targaryen, Damon. I thought mm-hmm. was portrayed beautifully by Matt Smith. I thought he did a fantastic job there. Um, going to that jousting scene there, it was amazing. I love that scene so much because you have the small council meeting right before it, where. Otto Hightower, the hand of the king, is putting Damon in his place. And Damon's like, mm-hmm. choose your or they're like, choose your first opponent. He's like, I'll take your son. And he like gives him the look and everything. He's like calling him out. He's like, You're really making me do this? Okay, let's go. And so then he like goes after his son, fights a little bit dirty with the jousting part there, knocks his son right off the horse, and then to rub dirt in the wound, goes over and gets the favor from the guy's mm. sister that he just took out <laughs> going with Alicent Hightower who is the friend of Renarius Targaryen that we see there and so you see her giving him her favor laughing thinking it's all cute and stuff like that gives her dad like a quick look to make sure it's okay but you know her, the dad's like too worried that his son's gonna die at that moment's not paying attention so she gives him her favor but I thought that scene was perfect to show, like, Damon's attitude towards things. Because mm-hmm. one of the differences that we see between page and screen here is in the description of what happened with Damon Targaryen on his different positions he was posted to. Like, it talks about here how he was made Master of Laws and then Master of Coin. And then he was making too much trouble, so they put him down into the head of the city watch and everything. And while Damon held all three of those positions at one point or another, he stopped being in that position because he got bored with them. Because he was like, this isn't a challenge enough for me. Let me go to something else. And as you can see, like Damon is the fighter amongst the Targaryens here. He's one of the youngest people to get knighted. I think he got knighted when he was 16 years old and everything. Kind of like Jamie Lannister. Um, mm-hmm. But he's a badass warrior and shows off those skills a little bit, even though he is overcome in that final jousting match there. And like you said, Mike, the juxtaposition of that final jousting match paired with the childbirthing scene was fantastic. And just the way it kind of shows Damon's like fall from favor in multiple ways going on there. Like he gets beat down on the court on the jousting uh, pitch, and he gets beat down by having a new male heir be born, even if he only lives for a day. So yeah, I was gonna say, yeah, that, that was kind of sad too. Was, was very the, sad, yeah. The pyre, and I, you really get it from the daughter there, Raina, Renarius, Renarius. Um, like, oh, my dad wouldn't 
like maybe he would love me if or he won't need me because I'm not his son or you know kind of along those lines like he's you know he's devastated because he lost his son yeah right he's devastated because um, he lost his son he chose his son over his wife um where he's mm-hmm. like hey my maesters you got this c-section that up and then you know they were like this could kill the mother but your son could live like my son might live and instant decision made right there goodbye wife yeah although i will say like they they did say you can choose to have one live or both will die so he did choose mm. so it wasn't a hundred percent like a bad decision on Correct. his end there it was an no. impossible choice though because how can you make that decision in real life um, mm-hmm. But continuing on with what happened in episode one here, some of the other like major things that happened here is you see um, Otto Hightower, the Hand of the King, talking with his daughter and be like, hey, you should go comfort the king. And it's like, wait, what are you? Uh, are you are you pimping out your daughter there, Mr. Uh, Hand of the King there? But. As far as what we saw on screen there, it was all innocent in a way, as far as what Alicent actually did um, with the king there. You know, trying to comfort him by telling him stories of, like, her own loss and how, like, she just wished someone would say that they felt sorry for her. So she told the king that she's sorry for him. They kind of hang out there and everything. Um, now, like, she, Alicent will be a important character throughout this series um, as well here. So definitely someone who is going to be important to watch. Um, the other major thing that happened in this episode here is Damon being kicked out of King's Landing, basically being told, go back to your wife. We don't care if you think she's ugly. <laughs> go back and be loyal to her. So yeah, when real quick yeah. question though, Dylan, let me interrupt you just for a moment. For sure, High Tower. Remind me in the regular Game of Thrones series, High Tower. Where were they? So High Tower's historical seat is in Old Town, where the Maesters' big university is, like where Sam goes to, and everything like that. But I will say, like a lot of the major houses you see in this series will not be major houses by the time Game of Thrones comes around. Like, we saw Baratheon, we saw Stark, but they were all, like, throwaway, like, kind of, like, fan service, um, almost like a little teaser to remind you, hey, yeah, you remember these guys, they, they're still around. Um, but you see that happening there. Um, but yeah, so Damon, he gets drunk one night and starts bragging to his men when they tell him, to get, or they're begging for a speech. He's like, oh... Let's cheer to Prince whoever it was. I think it's like Prince Balon or Prince Balerion or whatever. The heir for a day. And so that did not sit well with the king. Yeah, obviously. And um, the king meets him on the Iron Throne with a big-ass sword (laughs) in front of him. His own Valyrian steel sword in front of him. um, Surrounded by the king's guard. And just like says to Daemon... Did you say it? Did you say this? And Damon's like, I didn't mean you any offense by it. I was drunk. <laughs> and he is just like, they've warned me against kinslaying, so I'm not going to kill you, but get out of King's Landing. Go away 
to your to the veil um of the veil of Aaron. He sits on yeah. yeah, and get out of here and don't come back. So he does listen actually, which is a little surprising considering like how hot headed he is. But he doesn't necessarily leave alone. He leaves with someone who is going to become known as Lady Misery, who is like his his horror companion, who he takes as a lover, mm-hmm. um, and leaves and flies off to go uh, to go to Dragonstone with her, rather than go back to his lady wife in the Vale. Um, yeah. So the other important thing that happens in this episode is. Aside from the casting out of Daemon Targaryen, we have Rhaenyra's being officially proclaimed as the heir to King Viserys. So when hmm. this is happening, he tells her a little foreshadowing slash a little like reminder that this is in the Game of Thrones universe by telling her about the prince that was promised, which, as we know, is a reference to Game of Thrones and... And all of that stuff that happened in there, major plot points there. I think the spoiler warning is gone. They're talking about Jon Snow. So, yeah. um, talking about that and how, like, it's been foretold that from their line, the savior of mankind is going to be born, basically. Um, yes, he just won't sit on the Iron Throne. Yes, yes. At least well, not, yeah. not in the show. We'll see what happens in the yeah. books. But... Uh, everyone kneels and says fealty to Rhaenerys and the king's heir, Rhaenerys Targaryen. Um, they all, you know, swear fealty to him as well. And the important thing to note for this part here is that this is like the first time that a female heir has been publicly proclaimed that, yes, mm. she is going to be the next queen of Westeros. She will follow me on here. But as we saw in the trailer for next week's episode, you hear Otto Hightower saying, although the king proclaimed it, the people will never stand for a woman on the Iron Throne. So we're coming back to that theme of male heirs, female heir, and that's going to carry on throughout the series, if not this entire season. Um, But yeah, all in all, I think... This episode was great in that it reminded people a lot of Game of Thrones. There was a lot of similarities. There was a lot of nostalgia. The way they interwove the original theme song for Game of Thrones into the actual episode. It sucked people back in. Like Mike said, he got a little nostalgic for it too. And I thought that it was just a good way to like start without overwhelming you with too many new character names. Although, it's a big world. There's going to be a lot of names here. Oh, I know. All the names. The show, it, it doesn't matter. Either any of the books, they're always a million There's names. There's a million. So. <laughs> yeah. I do, th- I do like that during um, Rhaenyra's... Okay, I just got to think Daenerys, but Rhaenyra's. Uh, or with an R. Uh, Rhaenyra's is like... Like you said, her kind of swearing in there, there was hesitation from people too. Oh yeah, of course there was. You know, and I think that that's something to really note on top of what you were saying. <laughs> like they were ready to just be like, uh, it just shows how unprecedented, unprecedented it all was. So I think it's going to definitely 
lead to some delicious conflict later on. And, you know, it can't be a Game of Thrones episode without visiting a brothel. So oh, of course not. Yes. Important scene to note. <laughs> I thought that scene, honestly, was a throwaway scene. You didn't need that scene. I'd agree. But they threw that in there because who doesn't love sex, violence, and gore? And that's what Game of Thrones <laughs> is all about, right? No. Oh, brings in spades. And I will say, too, that it was also kind of, you know, another scene there. Lady Misery, as you called yes. her, showed shows up. So it's... Just a little interaction there with her as well. Right. A couple other things I just want to throw out here as well that were like standouts to me. There were a lot of really great references to what had happened previously for for the Targaryens themselves. Like talking about how um, the Rhaenyra's dragon was the biggest one since the last one here that they name dropped here. I forget the exact name uh, off the top of my tongue. It's like Saraxes or whatever. Um, but then you also hear about how Damon has a Valyrian steel sword, Dark Sister, which if you know anything about Dark Sister and what that represents, then that is going to be, that's another, it's an important name to remember for the name of his sword based on where that goes in Game of Thrones history here. Um, but I won't get into that since it kind of follows the Dance of Dragons a little bit. Um, also, just I want to shout out to Corliss Valerian, who seemed to be like one of the most level-headed people on the city council. <laughs> he was he was <laughs> like, this could be a threat. We should pay attention to this. Like, nah, go away, Corliss. I don't care about pirates. He's like, the king has an heir. It's his brother. And they're like, nah, 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 no, we don't want to, we don't want to, we don't want him. He's evil. And he's just like, we don't have to have all of this tension and all this stuff. Let's just follow the laws. <laughs> And do that. And like he's also like the the people should be afraid of the city watch after Damon demonstrates just how brutal he can actually be in enforcing the ro- the laws of the land here. Um, but yeah, all in all, thought this episode was definitely enjoyable, a good way to kind of kick off the series here, and definitely left a lot of good meat on the bone to get into later on. Um Definitely looking forward to more House of the Dragon, and hopefully it runs for a long time. <laughs> Have they said anything about how how long they're thinking of running it? Not yet. I haven't really done no. any research on um, that. As far as but I they know, could, they would only follow. They would really only follow the Dance of the Dragon, right? Well, there's a lot of Targaryen history. I'll say that, um, and it might kind of merge into another storyline that's very interesting as well: uh, the Duncan Egg mm. storyline. But okay, um, that may or may not happen. That may or may not be its own television show. Uh, we don't know what'll happen. Apparently, there's a couple other uh, World of Ice and Fire uh, series that are in development with HBO. They are going to be He's squeezing never... this till George yeah. R. R. Martin drops, and then squeezing it some more. Oh, then they squeeze it even more. Oh, yes, because he's not there to quality control it all, and. He's not pumping out any more content, so they can go wherever they want with it, I guess. Well, I mean, he's not going to really be pumping out much more content right now either. <laughs> yeah, I know. Uh, did you hear that rumor about, like, um, oh my gosh, um, what's his face? Jon Snow. What's the actor's name? Oh, um, Kit Harrington. Kit Harrington. Thank you. I knew, I knew Kit was in there somewhere. Um, he came out and, or there was, like, rumors that there was going to be a Jon Snow spinoff show. Yes. And confirmed like, by George oh, R. R. Martin himself. 
Oh, is it confirmed? Yeah, well, that it's oh. in development and being pitched. Not that it's been officially picked mm. up yet. But it's set to be a I sequel I think that would be show, pretty cool. Yeah, which, I think that would be really cool. Mm, that could be a lot of fun. Because, like, he does go behind the wall. Like, you know, that was an area that they didn't really explore at all. And so that would be really interesting to see the change and what else lies behind the wall. Definitely. Um, as far as House of the Dragon, though, Mike, do you have any other closing thoughts as far as episode one goes? No, I like that we kind of talked about the major points. Uh, I think in future episodes we'll do a little more of a breakdown-ish. Um, but I think this overall went well. And uh, listeners, obviously, you can give us your feedback on whether you would like us to have a more structured way or just kind of going through and talking about major points of it. You can reach us at fantasyrewindpod at gmail.com at fantasyrewind on twitter and at fantasyrewindpod on instagram all right well with all of that we're gonna get on out of here we hope you enjoyed season one episode one of house of the dragon heirs of the dragon let us know all right this is two nerds signing off see ya don't forget to like subscribe rate us please and we will send you a sticker bye